spring. All other speculations about whether or not the proverbial back of winter has been broken will be moot because at 1.14 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, as good a time as any, the vernal equinox will occur. And the second quarter of 2012 will continue unfurling in fine fashion. As far back as my own memory serves, spring for me has always been that season of spontaneous suggestion, abounding in opportunity. The landscape reinforces such sensations. Everywhere things are emerging, green growth from the ground, water from ice, buds from branches, hatchlings from nests. This last image especially resonates through the symphony of years. Even in kindergarten, I knew that when the tail end of March was about to give way to April, that May wouldn't be far behind, and after that, well, in hardly any time at all, spring would give way to summer, which meant most of my learning would be up to me, without the influences of a classroom to interfere. These days, I'm on the other end of things, in more ways than one. I still enjoy doing most of my learning on my own, but I've also become one of those keepers of the classroom that keeps influencing, or at least trying to influence, the manner in which students learn. Fortunately, my classes are mostly writing workshops where my time lecturing is measured in moments, not hours. Instead, the students and I spend the majority of our time together over drafts of projects they are working on at the computers in our writing lab. Like many other writing professors, however, I'm finding increasingly every year that the students arriving in my classes are unprepared for the level of course they are enrolled in. In other words, somewhere along the line before they got to me, often a long time before they got to me, someone or perhaps more than just one someone in the curriculum dropped the ball. I'm also noticing now that neglect in education is percolating up into the college realm. For courses such as mine, prerequisites are in place, and many of the folks presumably teaching those prerequisites aren't doing so at all. Daniel Devise of the Washington Post published an article recently about the Collegiate Learning Assessment Test and two similar tests, the Collegiate Assessment of Academic Proficiency and the Proficiency Profile. Quote, the assessment movement, Devise observes, began as a means for institutions to measure the critical thinking and communication skills of their students as a purely internal exercise, close quote. Quote, but the conversation shifted dramatically last year, Devise continues, when sociologists Richard Aram and Josepha Roxa used CLA results to critique American higher education. After giving the test to 24 public and private colleges, they, Aram and Roxa, concluded that only 36% of students showed significant gains between freshman and senior years. Close quote. These findings are no surprise to many of us who teach writing, where grammar and mechanics are essential foundations, foundations which many of our students do not have when they first arrive in our classes. What we learn from the students is that year after year they are passed on to the next grade level, although they frequently have demonstrated little, if any, proficiency to warrant graduation to an advanced level. Bundled into these dilemmas is a fundamental shift in the relation between education and business, in that education has indeed become one of the largest industries in the United States of America. We have been hearing for years a gradual change in nomenclature with respect to the student, 
who now is blatantly known as a customer or a client at many institutions of higher learning. In the works is a transfer of the adage, the customer is always right. Soon it may well be, the student is always right. Meantime, we'll just see what this new spring has to offer. A, Morno, Maine. Have a great day. in a shack just like our shack They worked the land together and we learned to count on each other When you live off the land you don't have time to think about another man's color 